you would, turn the Bible to James chapter five. Today we're gonna begin the final chapter of this book of James. Five chapters, 108 total verses. And James just keeps on bringing it. Today, he's going to address the rich. And in your bulletin, we titled this message, Not Good at Thanksgiving. And I would imagine that there are such hard times right now that there will be some discussion in your heart and in your home that it's a hard time to give thanks. And there's a lot in your life that you're not very thankful for right now. That's real and that's honest. I think we can admit that. And so while it says not good at Thanksgiving, I hope that we are still good at giving thanks. There's a lot of heaviness and heartache right now. This was a very heavy week for our church. And so we are burdened with the heaviness of life, a lot going around us, but we are still to be thankful. In the passage that we read earlier from 1 Thessalonians, it says, that we are to give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We are to be thankful in every situation. That's what the Bible teaches. And so while it is not, while it may seem not good at Thanksgiving, may by God's grace and by our faith in Christ and a heavenly perspective, May we still give thanks. May you be able to thank God. James chapter five does not necessarily get into giving thanks or thanksgiving, but it is loaded with warning against those who clearly are not thankful, for there is so much pride in them that he comes strong at them, rebuking them. And so, because it is Thanksgiving week, it snuck up on us again this year, has it not? This Thursday is Thanksgiving. I hope you're ready for that. Some of you all do not have a turkey yet. Some of you all haven't even figured out if you're able to serve people a turkey yet this year because you may not be able to have them over. Thanksgiving has snuck up on us. And so since it is Thanksgiving week, I'm going to preach this passage, James chapter five, around the idea of being thankful. It's not a stretch to say that the believer living by faith in Christ has been so humbled by their sinfulness and God's love toward a sinner and forgiveness that comes with it and the redemption and purpose that there is found in Christ that it is true that believers are to be thankful. We just read that. So I'm not stretching Thanksgiving into this passage here today. So today what we're gonna see is four characteristics of somebody who is not thankful. Four characteristics of somebody who is not thankful. Read with me, James chapter five, the first six verses. 
Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. What a passage we have here in James. Really one that is hard to recognize thanksgiving in it. It screams to us an ungrateful heart, does it not? When we believe God and truly become followers of Christ that the Lord has picked up through redemption, changed our hearts, and set us on the straight and narrow to be lived completely dependent on grace, we are thankful. We are thankful to God. We are aware that we are not as good as we once thought we were, and we are far more needy than we had ever realized. The problem is no longer they, the problem is me or us, if you will. And knowing that even in our fallen, sinful condition, God loves us. He is there for us. He welcomes us as a father in heaven. For these things to be true in the gospel message that God so loved the world that he gave his son to die in our place, the godly for the ungodly, the sinless for the sinful. If you believe that and your heart loves the Lord Jesus Christ, you are to be thankful, thankful to God. And we are becoming daily by mercy and grace and the power of God's ever-present spirit inside of us, we are becoming more and more aware of all that we have to be thankful for. It could be better, but it certainly could be worse, could it not? And for that, we are thankful. And while it could be better and it could be worse, right? And we may acknowledge that things are not the way we would have them to be. We are still loved, so very loved by God in heaven. He loves you. You cannot escape his love. You are safe in him. Your sins have been removed from you as far as the east is from the west, he has removed them from us. And we are to believe that. And in believing, we are thankful. In this passage, James is addressing the way money changes people. James is addressing the way wealth or riches change people. The way it gets at the heart. The way it affects us. It's hard to really tell in the book of James, and we've said this many, many times, it's hard to really tell in the book of James if what he's saying now is connected to what he said before, if what he's saying now is connected to what he say, is going to say in the passage that follows. It's real choppy, and I've said that. But if you look at chapter four, verse 13, it begins with, come now. It's like this appealing, this uh, connecting statement to say, hey, consider this, come on, be real, listen up. 
He says that also in 5.1. 4.13 and 5.1 both begin with come now. Perhaps there is a connection there. Perhaps the pride and arrogance of last week's message of thinking that your life is in your hands, that you will do with it what you will. You don't have to live under the lordship of Lord willing or if the Lord wills. You just think you got all the plans under control. Perhaps that pride and arrogance is also the same pride and arrogance that now is controlled by our riches and our wealth. Nevertheless, verses five, one through six today, James is addressing the rich. Now, I'll be honest, I'm going to let you decide whether you're the rich, all right? I would imagine that every one of us right now are going, well, I'm not the rich because I know people that have more than me. But as I would remind you, all of us have more than the huge majority of the world. So I don't know if James is speaking directly to you or not when he says the rich, but I know we don't want to say he's not talking to me. May we heed the word of God. Number one, you are not thankful when you are controlled by your riches. Y'all, money can be controlling, can it not? It can be an obsession. It can be an addiction. It can be that you want more, more, more. And the more you get, the more you want. This happens, right? It does. He says here, come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. I know you can't fathom that it's possible to be rich and miserable, but let me remind you, it is very common to be rich and miserable. As somebody once said, more money, more problems. More money, more stuff, more to weigh me down, more to distract me, more things to buy that I have to keep up with, right? More hassle, more frustration, more to manage. I know that some of y'all are thinking I'd welcome those problems, but let me remind you that riches do something to us. They start to control. Instead of being ungrateful for that which we have, so the opposite would be we are to thank God for all that God gives us. Your posture should be one of, I didn't earn this, so to speak, as much as God gave this to me or God allowed me to earn this. God blessed me with this. We are to see everything as coming from God. The Bible teaches us this. James teaches us this. As he had told us in chapter one, every good and perfect gift comes from God above, and we know this. So even our riches, our wealth, our stuff, our money is from him, and we are to be thankful. And yet when we do not have that perspective, the money will start to get us. If you look here at the beginning of James, he is speaking of people who are now being controlled by their riches. He says they ought to weep and howl for the miseries coming upon them. Verse two says your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten, so you have stuff that's not even being used or taken care of. You have things stored up, then there was no reason for them to be stored up. How often have we heard of stories of people who have tried to move because they're getting a new home and they have so much stuff that they don't know what to do with their stuff. 
one of the biggest industries in the world are these storage buildings because people don't have enough room at their house for all their stuff. So now we rent out storage buildings that we never go to. We just have all our stuff in the storage buildings. James says that stuff is rotting. It's moth-eaten. He says your gold and your silver have corroded. Their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Evidence against you that this stuff had you instead of you being able to trust God with it. Think about that. In judgment before God that our stuff or our controlling or our wealth or our riches could be used against us. The issue here is not that having money or wealth or riches is a bad thing. The Bible never actually says that, but the Bible warns over and over again to the rich that money, having money isn't a sin, but your money having you is. Make sure you understand that. Having money is not a sin, but your money having you is. And when we are controlled by things other than the love and grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we are not thankful. We are to be thankful. We are to be careful with these things. Many of you recall that great passage where Jesus is speaking to this in Matthew chapter 19, and he concludes, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. It may not be impossible, but Jesus does say it is hard. Why? Because there are so many securities in money and wealth and stuff. There are so many, uh, there are so much pride that comes along with that. And so we must learn to bow our knee and trust in God. We must learn to believe that it has come from Him the wisdom to acquire it, the back or the work ethic to do it, right? The, 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 the situation or circumstances in life that just allowed you to prosper are all gifts from God. R.C. Sproul says, the Bible nowhere condemns wealth itself. It is often viewed as the blessing of God. However, the rich as a social class are often guilty of exploiting and oppressing the poor, and God reserves severe judgment for this. For all that God has given you, you are to be thankful and therefore humbled. You are to hold loosely. And when it becomes the opposite, that you are being controlled by it, then you are now not thankful. A pride is rising up in you, and this is not good. I want to show you where the Bible speaks even more specifically to it. James here is sounding a huge alarm that the, the, the rich need to uh, wake up to how they have felt pride in possession, been controlled by it. But I want to show you another passage that's more helpful in regards to money. Turn backward a little bit to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Some of you all are wrestling even with what I'm saying right now. And so this will encourage you as you read this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's so good to learn to read your Bible. It's not enough to just get a daily text or a daily email with the inspiration of the day. That's not reading the Bible. Those are hand-selected. We must learn to read the Bible, listen to the Bible, and know all that it says. There are passages in the Bible that address the very things that we wonder and question. 
Here today at 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. He speaks directly to what so many of us wrestle and struggle with. Are we thankful to God for all the blessings in our life with money or riches, or does it really have us and we are ungrateful? In 1 Timothy 6, 6, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Here is where the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil, for there are so many great godly things you can do with money. There are. God can use the humble, broken, giving, free-spirited person, their money in so many wonderful ways. There are needs around us all over the place. Money is not the, is not the evil. It's not the root of all evil. It is the love of money. And this is the very point that we are making here. You are not thankful when you are controlled by your riches. Stay there, though, at 1 Timothy 6, and jump down to verse 17. Look at how Paul writes to Timothy about how the rich ought to be. Perhaps you know some that are this way. Verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them to not be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Now stop there for just a second. That is so helpful. If you're rich, don't set your hope on your riches, set your hope in God. If you're rich, don't let your hope be in your riches, let your hope be in God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Look at this. They are to do good. This is the rich. They are to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Paul teaching us what it looks like for a believer to be rich and what their life should look like with it. This Thanksgiving week and all the wealth you may have and the influx of money, are you thankful? Are you content? Or are you being controlled by it? In 2007, Val was nine months pregnant with our first kid, JJ. We thought he was gonna be born in 2007, but he actually came January 2nd of 2008. Val was in the hospital in labor from one year into the next. And just weeks before JJ was born, Val was still working. She was working full-time at the seminary. And while she was leaving work one day, I don't know the full story, 
but she got distracted and it was completely her fault. And over there on the east end on Lexington Road in a very nice area, she crashed into the back end of a very nice car in our 1997 Nissan Maxima. Not a very nice car. She called me so scared to death. Airbag came out. She was nine months pregnant. She ended up staying two nights in the hospital to make sure the baby was okay. And praise the Lord, the baby was okay and Val was too. When Val called me, I hurried to where they were. They pulled off into a parking lot right there on the side of Lexington Road. And she was so scared to death. It was her first crash. I was scared to death. And we thought what all of you all would think, oh no, we just messed up this rich lady's nice car. And I want you all to know, we don't even know her name. She saw Val. She saw that she was nine months pregnant. And she said, listen, don't y'all worry about it one bit. I'll be able to get all of this taken care of. We don't need to exchange numbers, insurance, or anything. Go, make sure your baby's okay. I'll be able to take care of all this. And we left, crying and thanking God that that lady was not controlled by her riches. We could have gone to court. We could have tried to pay some money. We could have used the insurance. Who knows? She would have been right fair, upright, if she had. And we all know that. But she didn't. I thank God for her. To this day, we are thankful for her. But I will never forget somebody who was able to not be controlled by their riches. May you be thankful for whatever you have. May your eyes be on God. We are not, con- we are not thankful when we are controlled by our riches. Number two, we are not thankful when our riches make us treat people wrongly. We are not thankful when our riches make us treat people wrongly. Look what happens here at verse four. This is a scary passage. It's hard for us to know exactly what he's referring to, but it ought to shake you. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Apparently, They were not paying their people the way they should have been paying their people. Those who worked for them, those who labored for them, and these rich were not treating their people well. Can you imagine? Is this an issue still today? I don't know if you're a boss. I don't know if you have anybody that works for you. I don't know if you have anybody that mows your grass or cleans your house or if you have anybody that works in your home or in your business. I don't know if you get to call those shots, but this is a scary passage that says when uh, injustice happens toward them and it is your fault and they cry out to God, God hears their cries of how wrong you are being with them in regards to the money. This is scary. Very scary if you are a boss or if you write paychecks or if you ever are supposed to give out money. This is very scary if you are a landlord. And I I know rental property is a huge thing these days as a way to make more money on top of our money. It's very popular. But this is a scary thing when we are treating people wrongly off the basis of money. That's what James is warning. 
We are to thank God for people. We are to treat them the way God would have us to treat them. We are to love and serve them, and we are to tell them about Jesus. If you have any position of leadership, any authority at all, and there is anybody underneath you for whatever reason, by the grace of God working in you, it ought to be to their benefit that you as a godly follower of Christ is over them. Surely you know this. If anybody works for you, serves you, rents from you, buys from you, owns for you, it ought to be easier for them, a blessing to them to have somebody more successful, more prosperous, more grace-filled over them. Please understand this. We are not like the Gentiles who lorded over them. Don't you remember those words from Jesus? We are not like the unbelievers who love to throw power and make people feel worse upon top of worse. We are to be a blessing. I'm not saying you've got to be walked over. I'm saying you are to be, treat people well. And we are not thankful when our riches or when money in general makes us treat people wrongly. This verse four scares me. It says here that the people that mowed for them, they kept back their wages. And then it says that those people who were not getting their wages correctly have cried out to God against them and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. God is hearing this. God sees this. God is aware. I also want you to see verse six. And we'll talk about this a little bit more at the end. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. Because of money, we can get so sideways with people that we would condemn them or kill them or expect them to be killed. Or if this doesn't mean real murder, then at least means hatred towards them. All because of money? When we are claiming to be Christian and have the grace of God in our lives? Folks, we cannot let, we cannot let money control us. We must be thankful for what we have. And if money is controlling us, then it will start to affect the way we treat people. We must be careful with this. No matter what, we are to treat people well. I never forget when I was in school, I was working for a couple and kind of working part-time and really you know, flexible hours or whatever. And they were Christians. And I want you all to know that it was such a blessing to work for them. I hope that I was a help to them, but there were so many times where I know that I was a burden on them, times where I was running late, times where I had to dip out early because something came up. There were lots of times where I had to leave early because I was going to do a funeral or we had to make it to a doctor appointment or all of these sort of things. But I want you to know they were Christians and it was awesome to work for them. Very, very rarely did they make us feel bad about anything that we were doing. They would love to tip us and give extra money. We were working for $10 an hour, which means we worked from nine to five and they'd give us 80 bucks at the end of the day. But there were many, many times where they would say, how many hours you work? We'd say, we worked eight. And they say, how much that's supposed to be? 80 bucks. They say, here you go. Here's 150, man. Great job. I'm telling you, that's how they were. There was one time they said, man, when's the last time you got to take Val out? And I said, you know, I don't know. They said, well, here you go. I got a gift card right here to Mortensen's downtown. Probably the best steak you ever had. Why don't you go and have it? Working for this couple was such a joy. I didn't make a lot of money. They didn't end up giving me a lot of money, 
but they were good and kind in the way they treated us. They were. Now, they didn't give me a ton of money. I didn't get rich from it. My point is, they were pleasurable to be around. They were nice. They were kind. They were helpful. If you, being a believer in Jesus, are thankful for what God is doing in you, for what he has given you, then be a blessing to those who are around you, specifically in how you treat people. We do not have a thankful heart to God if it makes us treat people wrongly. Number three, you are not thankful when your riches are for your glory. You are not thankful when your riches are for your glory. Look at verse five. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. These people have it. They have the money. They have the wealth. And they have done whatever they wanted to do for their sake. Luxury and self-indulgence. It's my money. I can do whatever I want with it. And you can except for you live under the lordship of Christ, except for you live under the fatherhood of God. And so everything is to be used for his glory. He has given it to you for some reason, and so you are to honor him back with it. And it is not a thankful heart when you want it to be for your namesake. We are never, ever to boast in ourselves. We are never to desire to get the attention, to get the glory, to get the recognition, to get the applause. Never. God gets the glory in everything. If anything good is in us, he deserves the glory. If God is doing anything in us, he deserves the glory. If anything in us is admirable or honorable or deserves some recognition, God should get the glory in it. It is the refrain in the Bible, in heaven and on earth, not to us, O God, not to us but to your name be the glory. In heaven, when you get there and you have served God and walked in obedience and he gives you a crown and he gives you a reward in heaven and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Do you know what Revelation says that we will do with those crowns? Do you know? The Bible says in Revelation that when he gives you a reward for what you've done, you will take the crown off and lay it down at his feet, casting crowns to set it well. You will give it back to him because you will know then more than you have ever known. I didn't so much get here because all I've done, I got here because what he has done. We are never to live like, man, I, I, I started from the bottom, made it to the top. No, no, no. We are never to find this pride that says, I did this. We are to always be on our knees saying, praise God. Thank you, God. Thank you. That is the attitude. That's it. We are to thank God for grace and mercy. By God's grace, we are to turn away from sin and self. We are, to not, we are not to live for self-glory. By faith, we are to live for God's glory. And then, after he says that, he makes this statement here that'll get you. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Do you know what that means? Did you know that when you sell a cow, the heavier it weighs, the more money you get? Did you know that? Years ago, 
there was a gentleman in our church that had a cattle farm. I can't remember how many he had. I think he had about 30 or 40 cows. And we used to love to go out there and take some hay and do all of that. But you know what? And I'm telling a true story. You know what we would do sometimes? He had a connection with like Little Debbie or Pillsbury or something like that. And we would drive a truck and we would pick up 50 pound bags of brownie batter and load the whole truck up with brownie batter. And I would say, what are we gonna do with all this brownie batter? And he'd say, we're taking this out to the farm. I'm just gonna lay it all out there on the farm. Those cows will eat brownies all day long. They'll get heavier and heavier and heavier and then we'll take them to the slaughter and we'll sell them because they'll be the heaviest cows they got. And the heavier they are, the more money we get. That is a true story. I have loaded trucks with 50 pound bags of brownie batter and I have unloaded trucks on the farm with 50 pound bags of brownie batter just so the cows would eat brownies and get heavy because the heavier they are, the more money they'll bring in. What those cows did not know is that the reason why they were feeding was so they could be killed. And James says, that's what the rich do when they're all about themselves. Y'all, I know that some preachers have, uh, are nervous to say this, and I'm, I'm nervous to say it myself. The word of God is living and active and it's sharp and it'll go to work on you. James says that you are gonna stand before God one day and you are going to give account for every word you said, every thought you thought, and every way you treated people and the way you handled your money. If you want to let your money be all about you and be all for your glory, then you are like a cow eating brownie batter and you are about to meet your maker and he's gonna say, you did not live for my glory with all that I gave you. We are not to live for our glory. We are to be thankful and turn it all back to him. Moo writes, James's point then is that the rich are selfishly and ignorantly going about accumulating wealth for themselves and wastefully spending it on their own pleasures in the very day when God's judgment is imminently threatened. God has warned that a judgment is coming and we're acting like we'll just live for ourselves. The last days have already begun. The judgment could break in at any moment. Yet the rich, instead of acting to avoid that judgment, are by their selfish indulgence incurring greater guilt. They are like cattle being fattened for the kill. If you are here today and your heart is not gripped by, oh God, be glorified with my life. God, use my life. God, thank you, thank you for saving me and thank you for all that you've blessed me with. God, thank you for all of this goodness in my life. Thank you for all that you've given me. Then you need to turn to Christ. Ask God to give you that perspective. Believe that Jesus will forgive you of your sins. Believe that Jesus will give you a heart that says, for your glory, God, for your glory. Lastly, number four, you are not thankful when your faith does not impact your living. And here's the summary of what James is saying. We are to thank God for what he is doing in our lives 
We are to thank God that we have seen change in our hearts, change in our desires, change in our passions, change in the things that matter to us, change in our priorities, change in our spending, change in our saving, change in our giving. We are to be aware that all that God has given to us, he has given to us that we would enjoy it and that we would enjoy him, that we would be able to live for him and serve him. We are not thankful when we say we believe, but we don't live out our faith. It is such a beautiful picture when you see people thankful to God and living out of that thankfulness. Think about how many times in the Bible we have the phrase thanksgiving. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his holy name. Those verses are filled with the Old, the Old Testament is filled with verses like that. Thanksgiving, 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 thanksgiving. Give thanks to God. So we see here in James chapter five, one through six, that he is addressing the rich in the way it starts to affect things. The rich, the, 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 our possessions and our wealth will grab a hold of us and it'll start to control us. And as it's controlling us and working on us, it, it causes us to treat people in certain way. And, and as we're treating people wrongly and we're gripped by our, our wealth, it will cause us to start living for our glory and be prideful about it. James wants us to know, you, you take these verses and drop it down right here in the book of James, you are aware that that is not Christianity. James is writing to us that we would believe in Jesus, that we would say faith with works is what he's talking about. A life that believes in Jesus, professes Jesus, and then goes and wants to live like Jesus. A life that wants to make a difference in the world. I wanna ask you here today, are you thankful is your heart thankful? Are you wrestling with that? Is there pride? Is there frustration? Is there arrogance? Do you feel better than other people? Do you feel above people? Are you the haughty there? Or are you grateful? Have you brought yourself before God and said, thank you? Do you say thank you? Do you have a thankful heart? In summary, the rich who are in such a good position to be helpful have not been helpful. They've been about themselves instead of what God would have them to do. Instead, they have made life harder on those around them where God's people are to make life better for those around them. We're to be servants of all. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I've been willing to give wherever I need to be giving so to make a difference in the situation. This is the attitude of the New Testament believer. You're not thankful when your faith doesn't impact your living and we are to thank God for Jesus changing our lives. In closing, I want to show you this parable in Luke 17. Turn with me to Luke 17. This is a parable that Jesus taught. It's the parable of the 10 lepers. I hope you know this one. It is striking to hear this and notice thanksgiving or thankfulness. Luke 
Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. This is Jesus talking. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers. Oh, I'm sorry, this is not a parable. I keep calling it a parable. This is not a parable. This is a true story. As he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Now, you know, leprosy is a skin disease, and you're not supposed to be around people if you have leprosy. It's really, really bad. It'll eat away your skin, eat away your body parts. It's bad. So 10 lepers come to Jesus, and they stood at a distance. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So he healed them, right? He healed them, and he told them to go and show themselves to the priests. He healed them. But notice this. Verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, and look at this, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. There were 10 there that day, blessed by Jesus, right? There were 10 there that day, healed by Jesus. There were 10 there that day, touched, impacted. Their skin disease and their health had been healed and improved. 10. Yet there was only one who was thankful. There was only one who came back to say thank you. Church, if God loves you, has forgiven you of your sins, takes care of you, and blesses you with all that you need, be thankful. And don't get caught up like those in James chapter five with an ungrateful heart. I don't care how much money you have, don't let your money have you. And the key to living that way is faith in Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for strong passages in James. And Father, we are now just four days away from Thanksgiving 2020. And whether there's turkey on the table or not, we have much to be thankful for. Father, create in us thankful hearts. Lead us to Jesus now. In your name we pray, amen.